Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us once again. Another fun-filled episode of the Brian Nichols Show, the latest and greatest podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. As always, follow me on Twitter at BNicholsLiberty, on Facebook at BNicholsLiberty. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to swing over to Patreon. And uh, if, you, if you're if you so willing, go ahead and uh, become one of our Patreons. Every little bit helps us be able to con- uh, keep on producing this type of content that you enjoy every single week. Um, as always, if you also enjoyed today's show, please feel free to share with friends and family. And always like and review on iTunes. And uh, today I am joined by yet another fantastic guest. If you joined me last, uh, last episode on Monday uh, with Todd Hagopian, I uh, did a tease... Uh, the guest I have today is uh, the one and only Philip Page. He is running for New York State Assembly up in the 118th district, in uh, right next to, door to my uh, my home district in uh, Northern New York. Uh, but before we get to Philip, uh, really quick, if you're interested in this fantastic uh, little giveaway we're doing, it's uh, the the Do Not Hurt People, Don't Hurt People stuff bumper sticker giveaway. Uh, please feel free to uh, swing over and uh, shoot me an email at the Brian Nichols Show at Gmail. Dot com, and uh, with that being said, Philip Page, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and uh, I know last time we uh, we had this discussed, um, it was just a, a plethora of, of various issues te- uh, with technology. First and foremost, my my computer decided that it was uh, going to go ahead and do an entire update, and it was one of those massive updates that ended up taking about two and a half hours, so here you and I are ready to, to, to do the show, and my computer unfortunately was not, and I'm trying to dig out my old computer to, to get some, some form of audio and, and podcasting uh, on there, and it just it was a complete nightmare, and then as soon as we get ready to go, your power goes out, or, or your Wi-Fi goes out, so it just wasn't our day. Um, just two millennials without our technology, totally helpless. <laughs> What's worse is my day job's in technology, so I just was like, okay, this is my life now. But hey, you know, hey, Philip, I, I do appreciate. It. I know you're a busy man up there in uh, Northern New York right now with uh, the the assembly campaign, and man, I, I'm so impressed by the the headway that you've made so far uh, in in your your race here to replace Mark Butler, who is the the uh, outgoing Republican assemblyman who's been there for how many years now? Uh, it'll be 25, so I was in utero when he was elected. <laughs> and you got some big shoes to fill because, I mean, I mean, he's been there, like you said, 25 years, and he's easily one of the most uh, well-known Republican assemblymen in New York State. Uh, so for those of you who, who are joining the Brian Nichols Show today who are not from uh, the northern New York area, the, the 118th Assembly District is... How do I say this uh, tactfully? It's, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, pretty much it goes from uh, northern New York near Messina, New York, uh, down through parts of the Adirondack Mountains, uh, Herkimer County, over to uh, Madrid area, where is where you're from, Philip. So if you could, uh, you know, number one, tell us a little bit about why you're running for New York State Assembly. Uh, and number two, if you could kind of give us, um, you know, a little bit of, of your own experience in the 118th, you know, what... What about the 118th? Do you really you know, appreciate so much, and that really made you want to run and serve as the the next assemblyman there in New York State? So first and foremost, uh, why I'm running? I think uh, I was born with some sort of a, a mental defect that I have always wanted to uh, serve in a, a public capacity. I was uh, building sand models of uh, my little hometown, Madrid. And my answer to the question of what do you want to be when you grow up was always town supervisor. So there's uh, something <laughs> off with me that I've really always had this sort of a, a framework in mind. 
but specifically why why this seat um, I had the experience and I'll, I'll speak a little bit more about this uh, later as serving uh, as deputy county administrator in St. Lawrence County and I found that many of the the policy remedies we had to uh, rectify any number of challenges we were facing uh, the one stumbling block was Albany uh, so I could have chosen to just complain about the problem or I could try to do something about it uh, one of those issues in particular uh, pertains to our property tax system. Uh, New York is the only state left in the country that still passes on a large portion of the cost of Medicaid to the counties. Uh, and as you know, coming from St. Lawrence County, a uh, relatively poor county with a very large Medicaid burden. So uh, in New York State, we're asking some of the poorest counties to pay uh, some of the highest amounts for Medicaid. Uh, and in, specifically in St. Lawrence County, almost the equivalent to our entire property tax levy uh, goes to, to New York State to pay for that one program. Uh, and what I found was many uh, state officials will give lip service to issues like that, but either they truly don't understand or it's just not a sexy issue and they don't care. Uh, so going back to that same theme of I could complain about it or I could try to do something about it, uh, both in terms of the policy and also uh, the type of candidate that I've wanted to see. I, you know, you listen to to politicians answer a question and you get uh, non-answers. I wanted uh, to run a campaign where my private thoughts were my public statements, and I think I've done a pretty good job of doing that uh, thus far. And I think that's more uh, representative of our generation, which was the second driving factor uh, for the campaign. So many of my friends, unfortunately, have had to leave New York State for other opportunities. Uh, just in the last 10 years, New York, uh, primarily upstate, has lost about another million people. Um, and when you look specifically at the areas of the state that are uh, facing the greatest percentage in population decline, uh, four of those five counties are in this assembly district. Uh, so who better to, to fight uh, for policies that will help uh, folks like you and I stay in our home communities and uh, live successful and prosperous lives than a young person? Uh, so it, it's been a really interesting uh, campaign. I, I think that uh, we're doing well, and uh, we're certainly breaking some molds. <laughs> and that's the goal, because, I mean, you hit the nail on the head uh, with regards to people leaving New York State. I mean, New York State, I think it, if it's not number one, it's number two in terms of being the most taxed state in the United mm -hmm. States. And, uh, I mean, it definitely does push people out of the state, and unfortunately... The, the people it's pushing out are the young people who look at, you know, here we, we leave college and we're straddled with, with college debt. And it's it's a situation where it's like, why am I going to get a job in New York State where I'm trying to pay off this debt and then have the government uh, tax the living bejesus out of me? And I'm you know, losing almost half of my income at the onset before I even even able to start paying off my student loan debts. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, it just, I mean, that, to be very honest, that's part of the reasons I'm not in New York state anymore is because yep. it is, it's such a high tax state and it's, it's unfortunate because you look at a state like New York state and you look at our home area, um, you know, I'm up there in, is it now the one sixteenth? has it been re redistricted uh, with Addie Russell? Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're in the river. District. So back in, in 2010, I actually worked on uh, Dave Forsythe's campaign when he ran mm -hmm. against Addie Jean, uh, Addie Jean Russell. Now she's Addie Jean. Um, and uh, it was the 118th. And then, of course, you know, with with uh, gerrymandering, things got all moved around in, in the state. And the 118th became your district and the 116th changed hands and, and all that, you know, fun stuff. Um, but but regardless, so what, that was one of the big talking points back then was the, the amount of taxes in New York State. 
And uh, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. because here we are now in, in 2018. And obviously, I have you running here in the 116th for uh, for Mark's seat. Um, and then we have uh, Mark Wolzak running for um, for the Republican nomination over in uh, the 116th in my area. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's unique to see. I don't know. For me, it just it makes me laugh a little bit. You look at the, and you just mentioned the the two areas in in New York State where we're seeing the the top number of young voters leaving, and who's running is two younger voters, um, two mm-hmm. young Republican voters um, who are running to hopefully you know topple not only Addie Jean but also uh, over in your seat. You know, you obviously are facing a hard primary right now. So uh, to that, why don't you give us a little bit of insight? What's going on there on the the primary uh, scene? So the dynamics are uh, quite interesting on that front. Uh, so far, I have secured the nomination uh, of the Libertarian Party and the New York State Reform Party. Uh, so technically, I have uh, more ballot uh, lines than, than these folks, uh, but they're also pursuing the, uh, the Republican line, as am I, and the conservative and independents. And those, uh, those races will be determined in the September primary. Uh, yet another way New York State wastes money uh, we are one of the very few states that do not hold federal and state primaries on the same day. So we just had our uh, federal congressional primary uh, on the 26th, but we won't have our state primary until uh, September. So we could save a whole bo- bunch of money if we unified those, but that's a story for another day. The The way the district is configured, and you mentioned uh, to some extent how, how large this uh, seat is, it's the nine towns in St. Lawrence County up at the very top, you know, Canadian border area. Uh, it's uh, Hamilton and Herkimer, largely in the Adirondacks. And then it's a few towns in Oneida County, straddling Utica and Rome. And then over in Fulton County, uh, which is the, the Glove Cities with Gloversville and Johnstown. Mm-hmm. And the way the population is broken out, the 80% of the primary electorate lives three hours away from me. So I yep. have a special challenge in that respect. Uh, the the other two candidates each comes from one of the larger respective uh, population centers. So the the two kind of core establishment uh, Republican parties are fighting this out as a civil war, and uh, I'm just trying to stay above the fray and to be a different kind of candidate. We had our first debate, um, I'm saying probably three weeks ago, and uh, the Democrat was included. So there's the a Democrat from Herkimer County as well, and it was kind of interesting. Uh, certainly, Keith, the Democrat, and I uh, disagree on virtually everything. He's uh, He was a Bernie Sanders delegate. But what was very interesting, uh, he and I were sitting in the middle of the four. The the two other Republican candidates um, didn't really have much uh, in the way of substance or you know ability to offer specifics. And it got to the point where when a question would be asked of each of us, the, the questioner would say, yeah, but give me a specific, uh, you know, I kind of thought, well, maybe I have a bias and I'm just, you know, not hearing specifics out of them because I'm, I'm not hearing the answers I want to hear. But it, it appeared that even the audience was unsatisfied with that. And then, you know, I mentioned it before too, the the standard political answers. Well, you know, that's something we need to weigh carefully and we need to be thoughtful, but, you know, not giving you a yes or a no on anything. Uh, it was nice to see after the debate, people come up to me, even some of the Democrats who were there and say, you know, I appreciate the fact that you have political courage and you're willing to say something that you know is going to be unpopular uh, in your audience. Uh, So I think that that went over really well. I gained new supporters out of that. And a few people who had previously even vocally supported my opponents say, you know, I think we made the wrong choice. It's it's nice to hear 
uh, somebody with substance, uh, especially somebody at such a young age. Uh, so I'm hopeful that we'll have debates in each of the five counties and hopefully we can sway more people over to our side. And it really is. I mean, you, you spoke to the the re, the fact that a lot of pan, uh, pandering politicians, they don't oh, they yeah. don't have substance to them. And they, they, they say <laughs> what they think people want to hear. And I think here we are in 2018, a lot of voters, they're tired of, of the, the pandering. They're tired of the good old boys network just, you know, saying the right things to get elected. And they mm-hmm. truly want to, to see these candidates who actually stand on principle and then bring forth solutions. And, and sometimes, to be to be quite honest, they're not easy solutions. A lot of it requires mm-hmm. hard truths. And I think, you know, for you, kudos to you for, for being the one to stand up. Among, you know, obviously, and you're facing, uh, I'm sure, uh, a lot of scrutiny being probably the youngest uh, of the candidates, being 24 years mm-hmm. old. You know, you're facing um, probably these candidates who... They've had a lot more time to think about this stuff, but they never have actually thought about it because it's never been pushed to actually have yeah. substantive answers. So, um, you know, I, I touched on this here with with you being 24 years old. Have you have you had any backlash saying you're too young, you don't know what you're talking about? Well, I'm 25, so I, I have to oh. age myself just a tiny little bit there. But uh, no, and you know, to my surprise, uh, because I thought that would be a liability, but. When I've been out knocking on doors, collecting petition signatures, um, rather than being a liability, uh, it actually seems to be working my advantage uh, because, uh, you know, especially among the older population, they say, well, I'm, I'm glad somebody your age is stepping up. Um, you know, not all millennials must be bad, but, you know, they'll make some fun jokes about it. <laughs> but it just based on, you know, anecdotal evidence, we'll have to wait and see, you know, how the election shapes out. But um, just anecdotally, I think it's actually been uh, a benefit. And certainly when you have a district three and a half hours long, two and a half hours wide, uh, it helps to have a little more energy than the other folks in the field. Um, and I think, too, it, it has an effect on, on my views. Um, you know, being a young person, I think some of my, my views on, on social issues are a little outside of the norm for the Republican Party. Um, I'm also uh, openly gay which uh, that has hurt me, but that's okay. You have to be who you are and be courageous about it. Uh, But even uh, the first question in our debate that I mentioned before was, you know, where do you stand on the legalization of marijuana? And uh, I was third in the row of candidates uh, to speak. First Republican spoke, very political answer. You know, we need to be thoughtful. We need to be slow. Uh, I didn't really get a yes or a no out of that. The Democrat was very much in for or in favor of it. And then it got to me and and I answered kind of with a, a libertarian bent. I'm like, what what harm is it doing to you if your neighbor smokes marijuana? Uh, the answer is none at all. And then uh, just anecdotally, I said, you know, I don't smoke, but I would much rather be around somebody who's uh, smoked some marijuana than somebody who's had a, a bottle of tequila. Um, I think we, you know, in New York, Broadly speaking, it's it's going to be something that's going to happen very soon. It seems maybe the governor's on board with that now that it's politically expedient. But I also said, you know, living as close to the border as I do, I have concerns about taking uh, state action and giving people the wrong idea. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced it up here. We've got Border Patrol uh, checkpoints mm-hmm. on a very regular basis. If you if you are sending people the message, you know, marijuana is legal now. You can you can carry it. You can smoke it, et cetera, et cetera. Not all people understand, you know, how federalism works and the fact that it is still a Schedule One substance, foolishly slow in my opinion, Absolutely. but that's the reality. Absolutely. Are you putting your constituents in danger of breaking federal law 
and opening themselves up to prosecution at a much greater scale. So um, I would vote in favor of it, but I would be very wary of, of people on the border, you know, exercising uh, their at least state right to do so. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, at the federal level, we take some action on that front. But again, it, it goes back to what we were saying before, an honest answer and specifics. And you just don't hear that out of uh, many candidates. And it's, uh, you know, OK, I'm just going to dig into it because you you've already touched on it. And I think um, my, my audience will eat this up because obviously this is a, a much more focused libertarian podcast than, mm -hmm. um, you know, what a lot of traditional northern New York voters would experience. Uh, but my audience loves this kind of stuff. They love hearing a candidate who is expressing libertarian values. And you've already touched on how you've already accepted the uh, the nomination for the libertarian party in New York State, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Um, but with that being said, I mean. You're you're essentially running as a Republican libertarian um, mm -hmm. in a traditionally socially conservative district. Has that been hard to, to do? And in if you could, uh, number two, kind of explain what the reception has been from people across the district when you're promoting these libertarian views. So uh, to answer the first question, has it been difficult? Um, in some ways. Oh, here comes the dog. In some ways, it has. Uh, specifically, I received, and I'm not. I won't get into specifics because I don't need to wake that sleeping beast. But I received an endorsement, and uh, somehow, I don't know how, this person apparently did not have gaydar. And uh, when they learned that I have a partner, um, the endorsement was not only rescinded, but I found out about it uh, in the newspaper. So. I felt, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to to lose an endorsement because of that. It's another thing to have, you know, that person not even have the courage to tell you to your face, you know, unfortunately, I can't support you because of X, Y, and Z. So that that has been challenging uh, just on a personal level. But broadly speaking, you know, speaking to voters, it's not something that I think many people are voting on, um, like as their prime issue. They want somebody who uh, can speak to specifics on jobs and the economy and, you know, specific Adirondack Park issues and various things like that. Um, so in, in that respect, it hasn't. And then at the same time, the number of people who uh, will very quietly say to me, you know, I have a gay nephew. Did you know that? Or I have a, a lesbian niece. Did you know that? I've been to a civil union. It's like the quiet, like, you know, I'm not as as uh, traditionally socially conservative as you might think. So it's 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 been surprising in negative and positive ways. Uh and, and you got to take the good with the bad, uh, which has been a learning experience for me. Uh, I, I opened myself up to this sort of thing by running, and, and I'm, I'm glad I did. I certainly, you know, I would have liked to have seen a candidate who represented my views and who, you know, had a, a partner. I mean, it, I don't know of any other openly gay Republicans in the region. Uh, so it would have, you know, maybe somebody who is 17, 18 years old and thinks, you know, I'm a Republican, but I can't be a Republican because I'm gay. Well, maybe they'll think twice about that when they, they see someone like myself out campaigning for office. And I think it's important for people to understand. I mean, first and foremost, this this podcast is reaching people from all over the, the nation. Like, mm -hmm. where, where Philip and I are from, folks, like, it is, it is socially conservative to a T. 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know the median age off the top of my head, but I'm going to assume it's probably in the upper 30s to you know late 40s. Um, the, the the demographics are are increasingly skewed towards uh, the boomers um, and and the it Generation X. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's it's almost become a pseudo retirement community up where we're from. So I mean, for you, Philip, to to do what you're doing and and running as not only a Republican libertarian, but as an openly gay Republican in a district that is is not it's not forward thinking by any stretch of the imagination. Number one, I'm just going to be flat out honest, that takes balls. Uh, but number two, I think there's no one better to do what you're doing than you right now because you have the ability to convey the messaging and the the values that you truly believe and you're you're able to be honest with it and, and you show the the reason you like so for instance let's look at um you know same-sex marriage obviously with um the the supreme court in 2015 ruling about same-sex marriage the issues kind of become i don't want to say null and void but it's just it's not as openly discussed anymore um Mm -hmm. but in northern new york the as you kind of you you hinted on that there are people up there who they they are they're tacitly you know trying to embrace the the alternative lifestyles but it's so taboo that nobody wants to talk about it. it's like the dirty little secret that nobody wants to talk about and yet mm-hmm. here you are you're like hey you know what not only am i a republican not only do i have libertarian views but i'm gay and it's okay and i mean mm-hmm. this is why these values are important to not only me but to like you just mentioned lots of people out there not only in our in our district but throughout the state i think what you're you're doing is, is absolutely fantastic and we need more more folks to kind of follow in your footsteps. So, I mean, with that, thank you very much. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's take a, a so, segue here. Um, I mm-hmm. I know, and I'm sure you, you were able to listen to the, the show I had there with Larry Sharp. So Larry Sharp is the libertarian running for New York State Governor. Have you had a chance to, uh, to speak to Larry yet? Uh, not in person, uh, but we've had some Twitter interactions, and uh, I really enjoy him. And he's certainly... Uh, he's taken a very uh, prominent stand on an issue that is just outside of my district, um, but it's an eminent domain district in the city of Utica. Yeah, uh, in which, so essentially there's a group of politicians, and this is a, a bipartisan thing, where essentially uh, they and their infinite wisdom have chosen a site for a very large hospital that will be state-funded, and that hospital is located in an area in the city of Utica that has uh, some really vibrant businesses that have been there for generations. Uh, But rather than uh, locating the hospital at uh, the site of one of the two former hospitals, or current hospitals, I should say, which have plenty of space, uh, these politicians have decided that they want, for political reasons, to put this hospital, um, downtown Utica, as part of some grand uh, economic development strategy, uh, despite all the evidence showing that hospitals are not economic development and they just very casually believe that they have the right to take property from these folks who have been uh, tax-paying productive citizens uh, really important facets of the community and it's just such a nonchalant thing for them uh, that um, th- essentially these people don't matter they're a number and uh, the the political aspirations of these folks is far more important so Larry has taken a, a really important stand on that issue uh, he's been outspoken um, specifically on eminent domain uh, being inappropriate broadly, but especially in this case. Uh, So I've been very impressed with him, uh, and I think that he will do very well uh, in 
this election, and I certainly think he will get the the 50,000 votes that um, he and the Libertarian Party need to secure, um, I shouldn't say permanent ballot status, but four-year ballot status. Um, and I believe it's my understanding that the Libertarians were unsuccessful in doing so uh, four years ago. So Larry certainly is uh, the right candidate for the party, and uh, I think will add a very important uh number of issues to the conversation. And I look forward to there hopefully being gubernatorial debates. Uh, I look forward to hearing Larry in those conversations. So obviously this is going to be out of your, your purview, but I mean, right now we have Larry Sharp, who's obviously going to be the Libertarian candidate, and then um, you know Andrew Cuomo, who's facing Cynthia Nixon uh, mm -hmm. for the, the Democratic nomination. Now, I, I don't know. We just watched what happened with uh, Crowley down in um, in where was it? Harlem or the Bronx, somewhere in New York City, where um, Queens and Brooklyn. I think he was actually the chair of the Queens Democratic Party, so it makes this toppling all the more significant. And, and what Phil's referring to, so so Joe Crowley, he was the number two. Well, essentially, he was expected to be the next leader of the House Democratic. Uh, uh, party in the house of representatives across the united states and he ends up getting trounced i mean absolutely trounced by a no name um and i i, I sound terrible saying this but she was a a 28 year old bartender I, I can't remember her name at the top of my head um but she is essentially a self-identified socialist um and she swept him and here he was he was a 10-year um incumbent in this seat and she she completely destroyed him um so I'm not sure this is indicative of, of what's happening politically across the nation where you're having these young voters rise up or if it was just he, you know, Crowley wasn't going back to his home district and actually being re representative. Um, but then going back to the governor's race, so you have Andrew Cuomo, who I, I assume is going to beat Cynthia Nixon, but who knows, um, based on what we just saw happen on Tuesday. And then over the Republican Party, we, we have, was it like six people, seven people who are who are vying for the nomination? Um mm -hmm. So, I mean, with that being said, I, I, I have to, to, to plug my libertarian folks here. So, um, Larry Sharp pr uh, put out a poll, um, and the independent polling agency was able to discover that in a head-to-head head uh, matchup between Andrew Cuomo and uh, a, a different candidate, it, uh, but Larry Sharp was the candidate who came the closest to actually defeating um, defeating Andrew Cuomo head-to-head. Uh, -head. So the Republican, the generic Republican candidate was like 41% to like 52, I think it was, percent. Um, then uh, with with Larry versus for, versus Andrew Cuomo, it was like 50, or 49 to, to 47 or, or something like that in that, that ballpark. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason I think that Larry is having such a strong presence and a strong uh, impact in this race. And I personally think it's because people are you know, desperately wanting this alternative voice in in their their political in their political lives because all they've been subjected to is you know, you have the Democratic Party and the Republican Party and that's it and that's what you get you get you know two flavors of usually a, a pretty crappy cookie so let's try and find someone who is different who's exciting who's engaging and Larry I mean he before he ran for New York State Governor easily one of the most vocal and prominent members of the Libertarian Party nationally. So, I mean, with that being said, and I know I'm probably putting you in a, a corner here, and you can give a political answer if you want. I totally, this, this is your, 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 you know, your freebie here to do this. Um, looking to the governor's race, do you see yourself endorsing the Republican candidate, or do you think, you know, I'm going to stand on my principles and my laurels and go for a guy like Larry Sharp? And again, you can give a political answer if you want. <laughs> I, I won't give a political answer. I'll tell you that, right. that is truth. 
Um, if this were four years ago, if it were Astorino or Sharp, I would have endorsed the Libertarian. Uh, but I think in this race, uh, Marcus Molinero actually really closely mirrors uh, my views. Um, I'm extremely impressed by him. He's been somebody who has managed uh, his county, Dutchess County, his county executive extremely well. Uh, he's somebody who, uh, when he speaks to folks who he disagrees with, is able to uh, come to consensus with them in a respectful fashion, even if the, you know, the outcome is, you know, we agree to disagree. But I'm really impressed by both his uh, his understanding of the issues. I mean, he and I can talk about the nerdy intricacies of Medicaid like uh, almost <laughs> nobody else. Uh, so I fully support um, Marcus Molinero in this race. I think he's a phenomenal candidate. He's already running 15 points ahead of where Astorino was four years ago. Uh, you know, if if this were four years ago, Sharp would be my guy. But uh, right now, I think that Marcus is, is in a really good position. Uh, especially given the fact that Andrew Cuomo's economic development uh, strategy is effectively on tr trial right now in multiple um, courtrooms, both literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it, the, the race is even more complex than that, and it could actually uh, result in uh, Mark winning, being that... Um, so you have Andrew Cuomo, you have Cynthia Nixon, who's challenging him, as you mentioned, in the Democratic primary, but then you also have uh, former mayor, mayor Minor of Syracuse, Who's running as oh, yeah. uh, the Serve America? Something to that effect. Yes, yeah, it's effective. I forgot about her. Yeah, yeah. So she's running as an independent, and I'm I'm very curious to see how she does because, uh, you know, she was the former co-chair of the Democratic Party. She's very well connected, and she just picked a Republican to be her running mate. So <laughs> she is definitely going to be on the ballot. So at the very least, I mean, even if Cynthia Nixon loses in the Democratic primary, she's already been endorsed by the Working Families Party. I mean, yep. To, yep. To, to folks who don't live in New York State, our weird election laws about fusion voting and Wilson Pakula's, this is probably going to be a little confusing. But we could be in a situation where we have a Democratic candidate, a Working Families Party candidate, the former Democratic co-chair, and a Republican and a Libertarian Uh it's anybody's guess how that breaks down. I haven't seen a poll with all of those folks in yet. Uh, and certainly, you know, polls as of late have been even less reliable. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I think her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the, the woman Thank who you. beat uh, Joe Crowley. Uh, <laughs> I would never I may, have have butchered, I may have butchered the pronunciation, but, uh, you know, you certainly she and I disagree on virtually everything, but I'm still very impressed by uh, her upset victory. But what I think that shows is, People want outsiders. Uh, suddenly, you now have the Speaker of the New York City Council endorsing the uh, opposition to IDC members. And again, a weird New York thing. We had uh, eight breakaway Democrats keeping the Republicans in the majority in the Senate. They called themselves the Independent, Independent Democratic Conference. And now they're being purged by their own party. So uh, this could be a year uh, where the establishment uh, in both parties is uh, shown the door. Um, it, it's a time of changing party structures. Uh, certainly, even in the Republican Party, you know, I'm not immune from this. I look at the party and the, the principles that it says it believes, and then I look at what it's actually doing, and I ask myself on a very regular basis, why am I still part of the Republican Party? I thought deficits were important. Uh, you know, we we talk a good game, but when it comes to results, sometimes it's uh, really lacking and quite disappointing. Uh, we, we seem to campaign like libertarians and govern like Democrats. So, Ooh. you know, I don't know what the future holds. 
That's, that's a good line out there. I like that. <laughs> that that should be your uh, your your slogan for the, the GOP up there in uh, in New York. We we campaign like libertarians, but we vote we we uh, govern like Democrats. I like that a lot. Um, and it's it's the sad truth. It is a sad truth, and I think um you you did touch on here uh, very briefly. I I want to kind of circle back was about this this establishment within um you know within the the, the two old parties in in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's even worse. New York, you have members of the the Republican and Democratic hierarchies that are, I mean, look at Sheldon Silver. For those of you who don't know, Sheldon Silver was a speaker of the assembly for for New York State for for decades. And he was one of, if not the most corrupt politicians in America, not just in New York State, but in America, to the extent that he actually got caught because it was just, his corruption was, it had its seething fingers everywhere. And it was almost difficult for him not to get found out. So, I mean, with that being said, I know one of the things that you've really touched on during your your um, campaign has been that of term limits. So, if you could kind of kind of give my audience a, a you know look into number one, why term limits and and what is it that you want to see in a system not only in New York State but also maybe uh, nationally down the road. So. I fully support term limits, but I, I do think it is worth noting one potential problem that we see, and, and it relates to the establishment uh, that you were just speaking of. The risk we run with term limits, which I, I do support very strongly, is a permanent staff which has more power than the elected officials yep. who we elect. Um, and, and I previously worked in the, the New York State Senate, and I saw this a number of times where especially new members um, it almost seemed, and I think that I would not be alone in saying this, that their chiefs of staff or the central staff who works for the leader's office, they were often the ones that made the ultimate decision. It wasn't the, the folks who actually received our votes. Mm-hmm. So term limits aren't without risk, uh, just to, to say that first and foremost. But I think the problem, especially in New York, where you have uh, people who have been in office since Malcolm Wilson was governor 35 years ago. You just frankly stagnate over over the time you're you're in office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can be the nicest person in the world and hold office for 40 years, but you know how much energy do you have? How much openness do you have to hearing new ideas? And how to what degree do you believe that your seat is something you're entitled to versus something that you have to earn? Um, and it actually, it was Astorino who who gave the metaphor of even the the strongest rocks eventually erode in the uh, the ocean with the waves. And I think you know after being there for for forty years, uh, how many people do you owe a favor to? So how how independent, how objective, and and how open minded can you really be? And it, frankly, if you haven't done what you set out to achieve after forty years, you know maybe it's time to pass the torch. Um, I would like to see a system, uh, perhaps, of uh, term limits at the statewide statewide level of eight years, uh, and for legislators, uh, and maybe you could even make a, a compromise, extend the term from two to four years, and give people twelve years. Do what you come <laughs> to do, serve. You know, you don't have to run for election every two years, so maybe you can actually be focused on doing the people's work than you know pandering quite as, as often or raising money constantly. Um, but let's at least have an open mind and, and look to to other states. And you know, it's worked obviously for the presidency pretty well. We haven't had any uh, any constitutional amendments trying to to get rid of that. Uh, it certainly works at the local level. There's all sorts of cities and counties that have term limits, and and it's it's good to produce turnover and to to welcome new people into the system. Absolutely, so new I voices would, are great. I would love to see something like that. Mm-hmm. 
All right, well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Page, I, I wanted to conclude by by giving you the floor. Let me uh, let me hear your your best pitch to any voter out there right now who they're either undecided or they are you know they're not aware of who this Philip Page guy is who's running for the uh, the Republican primary in September uh, for the 118th district. If you want a par- party loyalist, I'm not your guy. If you want somebody who has a spine, who is willing to stand up to their own constituency when uh, it's necessary, if you want somebody who's going to tell you the truth even when it's uncomfortable, if you want somebody who can offer you specifics rather than platitudes, then uh, give me a serious consideration. Um, I've certainly tried to prove myself as somebody who can be in Hamilton County in the morning, in Herkimer County in the evening, and then uh, back up in Fulton County the next morning. You know, you, you have to be accessible, you have to be accountable, you have to be honest, and I've tried my best to, to do that. Uh, I certainly think I've succeeded in that so far, and that's been uh, very helpful in, in wooing people who, you know, maybe saw that I was 25 and said, nah, not, not this guy, let's go for somebody with more experience. Um, I think that uh, certainly actions speak louder than words. Uh, when I say, you know, that I support term limits, I'm going to, you know, have a pledge for myself that I will not serve more than 10 years. I'm somebody who believes in campaign finance reform. Rather than just talking about it, I'm taking individual action to do that. Um, If you want somebody different, I'm your guy. If you want uh, the same old status quo that's gotten us to a place where we have a million people uh, leaving every decade, uh, look to some of the other folks in the race. But uh, I hope you'll give me serious consideration. Um, Open to questions anytime. Text me, call me, Facebook me, Instagram, Twitter, any of the above. Uh, I hope to to be there to answer those questions and then to, to make you proud. Um, and, and people don't understand how hard of a drive that that is that you're talking about. And, and I, I worked in the, the, the 21st congressional campaign back in, in 2012. And that drive, I mean, Herkimer County, Hamilton County, uh, yeah, the Gloversville, all the way you know, to where you are over in Madrid area, um, all the way north to Messina. I mean, that, that drive is a bear. So kudos to you, man, for doing that. Um, and, and before we, uh, we let you go, Philip, where can people find you um, if they want to help support your campaign? So I'm on Facebook at Philip Page for New York State Assembly. I'm on Twitter, uh, Philip Page. I only have one L in Philip, and I have an I in Page. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You can email me at philiplpage at gmail.com. Um, whatever's best for you, I'm happy to, uh, to answer questions or to, to take suggestions anywhere uh, your, your listeners prefer. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, Philip, I, I appreciate you taking uh, some of your, your afternoon slash evening here uh, to uh, to discuss uh, this this really important race. And I really wish to see you do well here. Um, you know, fingers crossed you're able to, uh, to to win the primary in September. And I think uh, you'll be a fantastic voice to uh, to replace Mark Butler there in the 118th. So, man, hey, I appreciate you taking the chance to, to join me today. Um, and that, that, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you, again, want to go ahead and uh, support Phillips campaign, head over to uh, Facebook at uh, Page for Assembly. Um, and I, I know uh, if, if, if you're interested in, in following uh, Philip and you want to get involved in this campaign, Philip's very responsive. You know, send him a message. Uh, see how you can uh, help out with the campaign, you know, whether it's knocking on doors, handing out pamphlets, doing yard signs, all that fun stuff that, uh, that takes place in a political campaign. But, uh, Philip, hey, man, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thank you very much, Brian. Have a good day. Absolutely, you too, man. And ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed uh, today's episode, as always, please feel free to share uh, the episode with your friends and family, especially to those of you up north. Um, Please uh, share this with your friends and family. Help spread Philip's campaign across the North Country. Um, And if you like me, hey, give me a follow on Twitter at BNicholsLiberty, on Facebook at BNicholsLiberty. And uh, as always, you can uh, be a subscriber on our Patreon at BNicholsLiberty. And if you want to, uh, to get involved in purchasing one of these Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People, stuff bumper stickers shoot me an email at the brian nichols show at gmail.com again my guest today philip page running for new york state assembly 118th district i'm brian nichols i'll talk to you next week